Hi, I'm Morgan Morris with CO2meter.com. Why should brewers care about CO2 safety, you might ask? With CO2 leading fatalities occurring daily and the constant change in regulations and codes, it's no wonder CO2 safety is a constant topic. What brewers may not know is that you can tackle both obstacles with one simple solution, an easy-to-use CO2 safety monitor. These monitors are affordable, high-quality, and in one word, life-saving. Ensure your brewery customers and staff are safe around hazardous gases like CO2 and meet code compliance around CO2 safety come inspection time. You shouldn't have to wait until it's too late. Learn more about protecting your staff and get CO2 safe at CO2meter.com. That's CO2meter.com. Cheers! Hello, everybody. I am super excited to be joined by Michael Varda of Craft Beer Advisory Service today. We're going to dive into craft beer consumers, who goes where. But Michael, first off, how are you today? I'm doing well, Andrew. It is, uh, I guess, the unseasonably warm temperatures are are fading, but uh, you know it's not too bad. I've enjoyed it while it's lasted. We've enjoyed it longer than we should have for our geography. I think this last Sunday was the last patio day we might get for the year in Virginia. So it was definitely a beautiful one to enjoy beer outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. How are you doing, Andrew? I can't complain. You know, I'm in this weird course of virtual in-person, virtual in-person. I'm glad to see you virtually right now. I know we need to get together in person soon, but today I'm excited to learn from you. I know a lot of other people are excited. Can you first off tell us a little bit more about what Craft Beer Advisory Services is doing these days? Yeah, absolutely. So um craft beer advisory services is now over a year old and what a year it's been you know we started off pursuing custom research projects with breweries and had a a fun year of doing that but uh really based on a lot of the uh, feedback and just interactions that we've had with breweries for 2023 we're shifting to a totally membership based model where we'll be putting out a uh, schedule of craft beer consumer research uh, will you know start up right off the bat in January of 2023, and what that allows us to do is really serve more breweries, broaden our impact, and also keep the cost lower. When you have a schedule of something and that's what you're going to do, you know it's uh, you can lower the cost for breweries, and that's ultimately what we're in the business of doing is providing uh, craft breweries who historically may not have been able to access these types of insights and really become that sort of strategic backbone for marketing, branding, taproom experience, and so on. What are your goals that the breweries that interact with you use this data for? Like, What would be a success in your mind for a brewery member? Yeah, absolutely. So really the bottom line is uh, more money, right? More revenue. And the ways that we get to that is looking at all of these consumer insights, what type of beers are popular during which seasons, uh, what food menu are you maybe missing, uh, what entertainment types are going to drive visitors to your tap room, and looking at a year's worth of data, understanding what resonates with different populations. So what resonates with a beer geek is going to be different than a social gatherer than it is a family, which we'll get into all of that today. But at the end of the day, Uh, Our research is going to tell you uh, what consumers are looking for, who is looking for what, and then advise those slight adjustments to ultimately make more dollars and uh, 
you know, be be stronger in your community too. be that center for community gathering and relationships and all the beautiful things that craft beer is. Awesome. So what is your current findings teaching you lately? Yeah, it's a good question. So recently uh, just presented at NanoCon um, where we did an update on a presentation that we did for the spring virtual conference, that being craft beer consumer personas. And one of the things that we'll dive into, uh, you know, I have some slides here to, to just show our listeners kind of exactly who who we're talking about, what type of data we're looking at, um, but then also looking at the differences between a nano brewery customer versus either like a regional or larger microbrewery customer. Uh, so really without further ado, I will dive into some of the presentation and some of the content here uh, so we can get right to it. And as Michael and I discussed offline, we've spent so much of the year looking at slides. We want to keep this as conversational, as actionable as possible for you. So if you have any questions, thoughts, please drop them in the chat as we go. Michael's here to answer and respond back. Awesome. Very cool. So the six types of taproom customers, who you serve and what they want. Before we get into the six, you need to understand how the six were, were essentially created. Uh, so looking at the study demographics, we scraped 2021 reviews spanning 68 randomly selected breweries across 36 states. And what you see on the map there is where those uh, reviews came from in terms of where the consumers were from. The darker states had more consumers. Uh, the lighter states had fewer. Only a couple states there uh, were, were not represented by uh, a beer drinker. So what did we do with these reviews? Uh, one of the most popular questions we get is like, okay, yeah, review four out of five stars. I had a good time. What can we learn from that? Uh, the answer is in the details. So for each of these over 1300 reviews, we put it through an 18 factor motivation matrix is what I've started to call it, where things like beer variety all the way to uh, parking and cleanliness of restrooms and entertainment types, the environment, uh, all kinds of different factors that could potentially influence how your visit goes. Each review is put through that matrix where we then looked at what were the top things surfacing for, for all types of people in terms of what they're talking about in their experience. And you know, after that, we looked at those and started to find patterns and behavior. So people who are mentioning the social elements, the vibe of a place or the environment of a place or people that were so obsessed about the food offerings or the pizza um, or you're getting to down the list here on the consumer persona breakdowns, a beer geek. Somebody's talking about the different hops used in you know their, the beer that they're drinking and those types of things. Ultimately looked at all of these consumer personas looked and what broke down what's important not only to them returning but what's also important to them uh or excuse me what would also make them never return again uh so we will we will dive into that and just for context for our listeners what you're looking at on the screen right now is the larger regional slash uh microbrewery mid-sized brewery selection and andrew and i are going to talk a little bit here about the differences between uh, this group and also the the nano brewery segment 
uh, since that data was hot, fresh off the press as well. So first up for the larger segment of breweries here, the number one segment was social gathers, and this is about 50% of the overall consumer base. Uh, so kind of orienting you to the slide a little bit, there will be for each segment at the top left, a high level understanding of who these people are. Then we'll look at gender on the sort of middle left hand side, overall sentiment of the reviews. On the top right, we'll look at the uh, motivators, whether that was positive or an experienced detractor. And then on the bottom right, to get an idea of who the competitors are, a sample review so you can understand what type of person actually fit that category. And then a key takeaway there uh, for everybody uh, as they think about how they can resonate with this particular group. So now that that's out of the way, you're thinking about the social gatherers. Uh, they are looking at the overall sentiment on the bottom left, generally a more positive group than the overall benchmark, meaning the entire sample. Uh, the social gatherer segment was more likely to have a good time, uh, leave a positive review. And shifting to the right-hand side of the screen, why that is, number one, the most uh, motivating thing for a positive visit was that environment and location. I think so often, Andrew, we hear about the vibes of a place or, uh, you know, what what makes that experience. And, you know, a lot of the the things that we learned from from the study was that vibes are often uh, built by an outdoor element, uh, built by a, a sort of natural gift of depending on where your brewery is located. That could be anything from a beautiful mountain landscape to uh, something that is you know, in a, in a more urban setting, you know, a beautiful skyline view, uh, just something that's going to immerse the, the consumer in that environment, help them envision what's going on. Uh, second and third was beer variety and food. Uh, spoiler alert, this is important for everybody. Um, but one thing to call out is that variety is much more important than a specific beer. The social gatherers are just looking for, uh, you know, a lot of different options. These are potentially the folks that are ordering a flight. Shifting to the right-hand column there with the negative experience detractors, uh, number one is service. And you know this is going to be kind of a theme that we see throughout the, the presentation, but you know, understanding that especially now in the, um, I, I'm hesitant to say post-pandemic world, but in, in most geographies across the country, uh, they're operating to something that's closer to what was pre-pandemic. Um, making sure that the the service is not only uh, efficient, but friendly. That is the, the real difference maker there. Uh, people are a bit less patient, uh, data would suggest, from the, the nano breweries segment to this, which is a little difference in, in dates there, the nano breweries with some more recent data. Um, but people are more willing to wait uh, than they are if there's a rude interaction with a staff member. Um, so, you know, let's kind of pause there. I know we're going to chat a little bit about the differences here, Andrew. Any any thoughts or, or questions? No, it's really interesting. One thing that's resonated with me that you said recently is that, and I've used it in multiple presentations because it's so fascinating. You said that I believe 53% of people who are visiting breweries are these social gatherers. And Michael, I would love to hear your thoughts. You know, these social gatherers are obviously motivated by the environmental elements, like the vibe, like you speak of. 
But what are some strategies you believe we can turn these social gatherers into loyal customers who just come back versus going to whatever place has the best atmosphere of the day? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so thinking about uh, you know how how you get these folks back, uh, it's going to be the more socialized events that are are going to keep them coming. If they're there to have fun with their friends and enjoy a you know a couple of drinks and maybe some food, you know, think about what's going to to really keep them in the tap room, and that's going to be uh, an opportunity to. Uh, you know, watch a game with their friends or play a game, have the, have the trivia. Those types of elements are what's going to attract these people. And you, know, when you think about the vibes of a place, it's also what's going on at the place. Is there live music? Uh, so thinking about those events that are, are typically geared towards the, the social people, uh, the ones that are just there to relax after a long day's work or whatever it might be, uh, that's, that's really you know, how we can think about this uh, segment type. You know, one, one thing that I'm going to touch on here is with the nano brewery segment, I fully anticipated social gatherers to be the number one uh, population, but social gatherers were actually number two for the, the nano brewery segment, which was a real complete surprise to me. Um, particularly thinking about the nano breweries, a lot of it, uh, at least stereotypically, I think neighborhood vibes, and that's you know what comes to mind immediately. Uh, but social gatherers were actually the number two segment for nano breweries, which is a, a nice kind of segue into what was number two for the larger scale, but number one for nano breweries. Way to Ooh. set up that teaser, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Isn't that isn't that beautiful? Um, so sticking with the the data that's on your screen right now. The biggest surprise of our presentation today, foodies are motivated by food, um, of course, right? But thinking about how we can break that down a little bit further, I'm going to sort of build um, an imaginary ladder, if you will. And the top rung on that ladder is a, a full kitchen. Um, that's where consumers are most likely to return uh, based on their experience. Third would be a limited kitchen. Uh, what I mean by limited kitchen is maybe you have two or three specialties. You have some variations of flatbreads or pretzels, things like that. Uh, second would be the second rung would be the uh, sort of food trucks uh, or small bites type of, of situation where, you know, maybe based on state law or just your physical space, you're, you're unable to have uh, an attached kitchen. Um, and then last but not least, is well, I should say last and somewhat least in a way because the the consumers are least likely to return based on food is if you allow delivery services and we we look at that as like a minimum if you have nothing else or can't do anything else for any restrictions uh, that could be in place you know, you have to allow those delivery services because foodies being the number two segment for you know the the larger scale breweries and the number one segment for nano breweries it is you know, more apparent than ever that in order to you know, really enjoy and maximize those consumers, there has to be uh, some element of food, some element of grub that's going to keep them there and extend the visit. So I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I after a couple of beers, I do get awfully hungry. I like planning my visits around food and beer, Michael. So it's definitely an important part for me. Now, Michael, I have a question. You know, this could be based off the data you've seen or just your general insights. Do you see or 
you know, feel there's any difference in quality of experience based on the style of food offerings, whether it's in-house food truck or delivery, does it make a difference? In terms of brand loyalty, it does make a little bit of a difference because thinking about, um, you know, what's going to draw that customer back, they can come back anytime if you offer that food seven days a week. But if they're coming there for that food truck, you know, that's already a limitation on when they're going to visit or when they're thinking about visiting because they they really want the to just use the example of uh, the last time we were in Richmond together, that barbecue food truck that I had, that was a delicious thing. And if I was going to go back, you know, based on that, you know, I'd be checking their food truck schedule and, you know, maybe I wouldn't go as often because that wasn't there. Um, so it, it certainly makes a difference if you're able to serve it in-house, um, you know, that's going to be higher up on that ladder of likelihood to return. Uh, so something that's really, really important there for, for folks to think about. And you know, one of the more challenging things is this is also a segment where competitor sets are, are really large. Uh, you're thinking about who the competitors are. It's not just breweries. It's restaurants with a decent beer list. It's traditional pubs and local bars where they can get good, you know, sort of like pub style food. Um, so this is a segment that's particularly challenging, uh, but obviously very, very important. When we look at food that people are enjoying at breweries, what are the top options you see mentioned in your data? Yeah, so the top things, um, well, the number one was pizza by far. And, you know, that's it's kind of funny because I don't know, I think about the breweries that I uh, at least frequent around my local geography and you know, pizza is not necessarily offered at a lot of them. Uh, but after that, uh, it's things like burgers, it's things like chicken wings and sandwiches, just for a sort of top four uh, right there. Do you think there's any value in going outside of those common items? You know, I'm not going to throw out a certain style of food, but you know, if a brewery is looking outside the box of ways to attract more loyal customers, should they consider food options that aren't currently available at their nearby breweries? Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a great way to to think about that, because you know, some of the things that really pop into my head, um, you know, like tacos, you could make so many different kinds of tacos relatively easily. You know, it's going to be the same toppings, more or less, maybe a couple of different meats or uh, protein substitutes, whatever uh, suits your fancy. But you're thinking about in your region, man, if uh even in your own head, like for brewery owners and brewery workers, like what are you longing for in your local community? What's not there? And if there's an opening there, you know, absolutely think about taking that. So we're going to shift now to the third largest group here uh, for the microbreweries and larger beer geeks. And beer geeks are the ones that are interested in chatting with the brewer they're the ones that are uh, want to try all the beers and put their tastes uh, sensing to the test. And they are a very happy group. Um, as you look at the bottom left there, overall sentiment, uh, extremely high likelihood of positive um, reviews here. And thinking about competitors, this is also a segment where it's very, very limited competition. It's other breweries, it's craft beer bars or uh, the pubs with only the best beer lists, uh, you know, in your local community. And looking at that uh, positive return visit motivator thing there, you see beer variety and then specific beer. This is 
one of the only groups that actually cares about a specific beer. Um, so that's really fascinating and something that I, I think we get tied up in our own biases a little bit with, uh, you know, who we might serve or who we interact with just being so involved in the craft beer industry. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually, a a smaller segment of uh, people, the beer geeks are in the broader uh, sense of who's actually coming to the tap room and thinking about the, the nano brewery segment, the beer geeks were actually even less of a, a, a factor. Only 11% of nano brewery reviews were fit the beer geek model here. Um, so it, it's interesting because owners oftentimes are the brewers themselves and they are so passionate about the craft that they're making but the consumers while there's certainly you know, some of them that care about about that element it's not necessarily the uh most important element uh to you know what they're what they're doing um just from a, a consumer standpoint they're not necessarily coming in because of that there are a lot of other factors at play that's really interesting. Now, looking back to social gatherers, Michael, you talk a lot about them looking for that overall experience. And we go into beer geeks and beer geeks are looking for the opportunity to interact with the brewer, really nerd out, you know, maybe the ingredients, you know, the brewing process, anything related to the actual, you know, beer making process itself. And a while back, you had mentioned that events are a great way, obviously, to, to get people into a tap room. What does your insight show with regard to an event that might work for both beer geeks and the social gatherer? Yeah, that's a, a great um, question there. I see as you were talking, uh, you know, we had a comment there from from Madeline, customer you want versus customer you have. And that's a, a really fascinating dichotomy there, Madeline. It's absolutely true. Uh, but thinking about the you know, types of events and entertainment, you know, the number one thing for customers in terms of this data set, uh, brewery tours, they really love it across all of these different uh, consumer segments that we're talking about today. Because if you think about it, a brewery tour, if you brought a family, skipping ahead a little bit, if you brought a family, it's something where you're going to have 15, 20 minutes of a presentation or however long it may be. And you're going to have that sort of interaction. You're going to learn about the brewery. You're going to learn about the beer. Um, it's you know, also an opportunity, a lot of the breweries will couple the uh, actual tour with taste testing or have a deal on a flight later. So you can start to you know, taste some of the beers that they talked about on the tour. And that's a type of event uh, that actually rated number one in overall entertainment for, for breweries. It wasn't live music. It wasn't trivia. It wasn't board games. It was actually the brewery tour, um, which is really, really fascinating to think about. Well, I think for the social gatherer, maybe it's one of their first experiences at a brewery to get the experience where the beer is made is a whole new, you know, type of experience for them and for the beer geeks just to go dive deeper into the process and behind the scenes. It's a win for everyone, no matter what your level of beer education is. Absolutely. Sticking along with the presentation here, the number four segment here for the larger scale breweries is Travelers. We have our uh, traveler buddy on the left there with a beer in hand and a thumbs up, really enjoying himself. Uh, so these folks are non-locals, primarily seeking experiences. And this is another hyper positive segment. Um, 
also approximately 10% of consumers for this larger scale. And calling out a difference again between this and the nano segment, the traveler for nano segment made up less than 1% of the overall population, uh, which makes sense, right? You think about what a nano brewery is, it's often a local community's backbone, uh, serving a hyper-localized population. Um, so really focusing here on travelers for uh, just the larger scale breweries. Um, beer variety is number one, food number two, environment number three. Not a whole lot of differentiators between other groups, um, but really the only experienced detractors uh, being service and staff. Um, you know, they're thinking about that, they're on vacation, they're spending time and resources to be there and take time away from work. You know, the real takeaway message for breweries here is especially if you live in that uh you know sort of destination space or touristy space you really need to make sure that that service is top notch because these are folks that are only going to be there maybe one time or return once a year when they're back again on vacation and these are the folks that you can't afford to have leaving those negative reviews because it's going to be the the one-time visitor it's going to be, you know, the people that uh, are perhaps more more critical, but uh, likely to leave a review if they have a great time because it's a one time experience. And when you're thinking about that social footprint of, of reviews and you're in a new town and you search breweries near me, do you want to read something from a, a traveler who's been there one time that had you know, perhaps an off day experience or understaffed experience? Uh, it's really just critical for for these travelers to to have that that positive review because you don't want the folks who are barely there controlling uh, essentially the narrative of your online message. And that also speaks to the quality of experience you need to provide people. You know, when someone comes into your tap room you've never recognized them for before, give them just as high quality experience as you would the regular who's there every Friday night. Just because you've never seen someone before doesn't mean they might not be your next best customer or next best customer of even just that day if they're traveling through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so thinking again about who's actually making that online footprint here, we'll shift to the next persona and locals. And locals is tricky and there's a lot of uh, differences between the larger segment and the nano segment for, for these two uh, presentations. And again, you're looking at the larger segment here. Uh, they are a more negative group for the larger scale breweries uh, than any other segment, 18% of all sentiment there being negative. And you'll see the sort of XX and asterisk, asterisk at the top here. Uh, the overall percentage here for microbreweries and larger is around 10% uh, of the entire sample. But the reason I put the X's is it's sometimes difficult to delineate who's a local and who's not um, based off of just a review. So things that would flag uh, a local review for, for our purposes here if somebody that's been going there for 15 years, if they mention supporting local, if they mention you know coming back often, those are the types of things that would flag it uh, for our our purposes. Uh, but thinking about uh, it being a smaller segment for the large uh, breweries, but for the nano breweries, it was actually the number three segment with nearly 20% uh, of all consumers being locals. 
And for nanobreweries, the locals were also much more likely to be positive uh, in, in their overall reviews, sort of indicating that idea of um, that, that being sort of a community gathering place as opposed to just a brewery. Uh, you know, maybe they're more likely to know the owners or know the family that owns it, wanting to be very active in their support. Just thinking about the the differences between the two are really fascinating here. You know, for the larger scale breweries, locals can uh, be difficult. Uh, they're more negative and also just based off of the data, less likely to leave a review. And for the nano brewery segment, they're they're much more uh, positive and you know, they're more likely to be supportive in that online space, building that footprint. You mentioned reviews and you said locals are less likely to leave a review. Obviously, breweries love having a ton of positive reviews. Are there any tips you can give to brewery owners, managers and staff out there to encourage and motivate you know, guests to leave that review? Yeah, it's a great question, Andrew. And there's so many ways to go about this. Um, you know, I was thinking about us having this conversation the other day, and I think one of the companies that does this best kind of going cross industry uh, is Chick-fil-A. I don't know when the last time you've had a Chick-fil-A sandwich and had a receipt is, but when you get your receipt from Chick-fil-A, there's a QR code at the bottom and there's us to um, take their survey. Uh, so you thinking about this, you would have a, a code to, to leave a review. And then on your next visit, you know, you get a free six piece nugget or what might have you, but tying and incentivizing reviews with customer retention, I think is a beautiful way to go about this because if you can have that little extra gimme, that's going to knock off 10% of their next bill or whatever it is on that next time they visit, you know, having that expiration too, like used by uh, you know, 60 days from leaving the review, that's going to, again, sort of encourage and habitualize uh, folks coming back in, thinking about what's going to draw customers back. Other other ways that are perhaps, uh, I don't want to say um, manipulative is the wrong word, but, uh, you know, less uh, like, I don't know, I'm just going to skip over it. the words escaping me, but I've seen it done on, uh, you know, chalkboards on the way out. Um, little you know messages on the table saying you know, please leave us a review if you don't want to um, I guess pressurize a situation of like you know leave us a review and we'll give you this like uh, leaving the sort of I guess so-called bribery out of it um, you know you would be able to do it in many other ways too but I would certainly lean towards you know, incentivizing that next visit tying it to some sort of uh, retention tactic or even maybe, you know, a discount off merchandise that day, just something to kind of get them excited about your brand and some sort of reward. Yeah, that's a great point with the merchandise, building that brand recognition and eventually that brand loyalty. So number six here, uh, we have family visitors, family trippers, we called them. And for the larger segment, it was 5% of overall consumers. And these folks were also a more negative population. I think this makes sense because when you have a family, uh, you have caregivers, parents, and uh, their their children, or um, you know dependents with them, and there are more people to please. You know, maybe mom can have a great time if there's something on the menu, but you know, if if there wasn't pizza, just using the picture on the screen here for uh, for her daughter or for her child or whatever it might be, um, you know, that's 
she's probably not going to be as happy and she starts throwing a fit. Mom, I want food. They're probably going to leave. And uh, so having that overall positive experience when you start adding people to the equation, it's a much more difficult thing to do. Um, one of the things that was particularly surprising for me was there were also very, very few family visitors uh, leaving reviews at nano breweries. And for food being such an integral part of, of nano breweries, I anticipated seeing that family visitor number higher, but overall it was still a, a very, very low number. Um, so thinking again, this is a, a segment that you have ultimate competition. You know, we kind of breezed over that with the last couple because they've been you know more beer focused or location focused, but you know, with this, uh, restaurants, family activity hubs, movies, bowling, arcades, Dave and Buster's, you know, all those types of things that are, are going to attract families where there's also going to be the option to, you know, get a beer and have a drink. It's, uh, you know, something that's going to be really challenging, uh, to, to do and have these family visitors come back. Um, you know, mind you just an overall importance. This is, uh, a segment with, with lower, um, lower stakes. You know, it's only 5% in the larger segment of breweries, and it's even smaller for nano breweries. But still, nonetheless, you, you want that brewery to be a welcoming experience for all customers. So making sure that you have something that's going to appeal to uh, you know, children, if that's your brand. Um, but really just having, having something for everyone, importance can't be understated. As a family tripper myself, I can appreciate this. And just the other day on Sunday, my son was like, Daddy, can I go to the arcade? And what he means is the brewery closest to our house that has a pinball machine. So it was a fantastic excuse for me to go out and try their new Baltic Porter. And the food options are great as well. You know, breweries I've seen recently even cater to the taste of children. You know, I'm not saying this is what you should do or shouldn't do, but, you know, having that juice box available to my little one means I'm going to have that second beer I might not always get to have. Yeah. But one thing, Michael, that's actually surprising me about this slide is you see beer variety still the number one positive return motivator for this segment. You know, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a good, good call out there. And you're thinking about, um, you know, who's writing the review, right? Uh, so first of all, we have parents writing it, but you have people talking about uh, their partners, their spouses, and tastes vary so, so much, right? And with their, when there are more taste buds to please, um, you know, this is primarily here, I think, why you see beer variety being number one, because if you're going to go to a brewery, you know, you're obviously some sort of a fan of beer, the beverage space, and it won't just be like one thing though you know it's it's not a, you don't see specific beer on there at all in the top five uh, so having something that's going to cater to, to different taste buds uh, making sure that there's going to be something on the menu um, even beyond beer you know the, this isn't on this slide but just from the other research that we've completed you know knowing that non-alcoholic alternatives uh, they resonate and are mentioned uh, almost two to one by, by women to men. Women are so often looking for those um, non-beer alternatives, whether it's alcoholic or not, whether it's wine, whether it's cocktails, it could be cider. Um, you know, making sure that you have that drink variety to make sure all tastes are covered. No, that's fascinating. Yeah. So one of the you know, last slides here before we open up to Q&A. Uh, it's just a look at the top motivators and detractors by persona. 
So looking at, you know, really all of them together, uh, I'm not going to you know, go through every column here, but focusing on motivators and detractors, some themes that we see across. I'm going to start actually with detractors where service is a number one or number two detractor across all persona groups. Um, so making sure you have that efficient service uh, that's more friendly if it's uh, you know, not necessarily the most efficient. There's uh, greater patience with kind people than there is uh, like slow people uh, in terms of the speed of service. One of the other things that I'd like to call out uh, that we didn't really mention is price. You know, we see price uh, popping into the top three in some of the, the categories and really foodies and family trippers having the price being in the top three experienced attractor. Uh, think about families. Those are the people where the tabs are going to be higher. There are more mouths to feed. There are more thirsty people. Foodies, that tab is also going to be naturally higher because you're getting food and drink. Uh, so thinking about the different kinds of specials, uh, when to have those specials. So maybe you don't want uh, a food and drink special on Wednesday because it's a school night. Maybe you're going to keep that for Sunday and you know, have it from 12 to 5 or something like that. Uh, just thinking about what these insights bring and how that impacts the taproom offerings and so on. Um, you know, that's it's really, really key to, to understanding and making this as impactful as it possibly can be. Michael, could you explain a little bit more the difference between you list service and staff separately? Could you dive into what you define each as? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So think about service as uh, the speed and efficiency and uh, tone of your of your service and how how it's being achieved. Are you having to wait a long time? Are you getting a nice greeting? Are you getting a thank you? And then think about staff as much more the personal elements of it. Did they stop to you know, have a conversation, provide recommendations, um, get to know you a little bit, ask if it's been the first time that you've been here? More of that social hospitality element of it, as opposed to uh, the nuts and bolts of getting a drink in your hand and food in your plate. No, I know we're not looking at the slides right now, but who is staff most important to with regards to the different personas? Do you have that yeah. in memory? Yeah, uh, that's actually uh, travelers and family visitors have staff uh, being being number two there. So really, really fascinating to think about that. Uh, travelers, it kind of makes sense, right? You know, they're they're there. They don't necessarily know any, anyone. They're looking for that personal element, the relational element. And uh, you know, when you have a family, it's always really nice to. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, a parent myself, but I think about going to places with nieces or nephews and you know when there's something else that you're responsible for taking care of there having that positive interaction with a staff member is really really critical and i know for me not to keep beating the bush on this one but went to a brewery in northern virginia at some point i can't think of the name for the life of me they had a beautiful patio we sat outdoors it was a great experience but the staff member who served us the first thing she did was give my son crowns and a sheet of paper and that little effort going above and beyond. I mean, it set the tone for the visit. It makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it makes uh, a tremendous difference. Was there anything about the detractors that surprised you? Um, it's a good question. As I think about kind of uh, 
the the larger segments of who's who's really going in there those are the detractors that you'd probably want to focus on most um i i guess honestly food was was very surprising as a as a detractor and you know thinking about it was number two detractor for social gatherers number one for foodies number two for beer geeks almost no matter which segment it was the food played such a critical element and was a a real game changer on decisions to either indicate that they would return or indicate that they would never come back. It makes a difference. Now, looking at all the data and insight you provided today for everyone watching, what's something you hope they do right now based off this presentation? Yeah, I think Besides I, sign up for your research membership, which is going to have a ton of great data. Yeah, I appreciate the plug, Andrew. That's awfully kind. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that is kind of within this whole focus on service one in five negative reviews was actually due to a first impression, something that happened in the first 10 minutes of that interaction. So if you think about that, 20% of all the negative reviews, those, it got off on the wrong foot, you know, the first 10 minutes. So making sure that that welcoming opening experience, it's so simple, right? It's not like brain surgery to say like first impressions matter, but having the data to surround it and really just focus in and dial in on what's most important. Um, really crucial for, for breweries, just to give that reminder to their, you know, bartenders, to a hostess, if that's the type of operation that you have, uh, or a host, you having just that little reminder, like make sure that you start that visit off with a smile and a greeting, because we're gonna, you see essentially 20% less negative feedback uh, data would suggest based off of that one little simple thing alone. I can completely echo that, you know, wearing my secret hopper hat when I'm looking at the taproom experience, we see that when someone receives low engagement on their first visit, when the staff's really not even paying attention, barely going to the motions, that guest, I could be 4% off. It's either 45 or 49% likely to return, meaning they're less than half way likely to recommend and return that business to other people and friends. But when they receive a high level of engagement and service, they're 99% likely from that first visit to share it with other people. I mean, it just speaks to everything you're talking about today. Yeah, it's it's not always uh, rocket science, which I think is the fascinating thing about looking at data because so, so many times we're always looking for you know, that needle in a haystack, like what's the one thing that's going, that we're not thinking of, that we're missing, that's gonna make everything so much better. And uh, you know, quite often it's it's right under your nose. Awesome. Well, Michael, for anyone who's interested in reaching out to you to learn more or to sign up for the research, research membership, how can they do so? Yeah, so you can check out our website. Uh, it's just www.craftbeeradvisoryservices.com. Uh, you could also email me personally it's just Michael at craftbeeradvisoryservices.com. Um, happy to talk to you about the membership. Happy to talk to you about the existing data uh, that we've put together in 2022. Um, as a really just starting out, trying to get off on the right foot in the in the industry. You know, we are in the business of trying to provide value to you and staying committed to that. Every piece of uh, research that we've put out in 2022 is available uh, upon request for no charge. And um, yeah, just really excited. Thanks for popping in those links there, Andrew, uh, particularly about the research membership there. 
Um, you can learn a lot from the, the website and uh, more than happy to schedule a call with anybody else who'd be interested. And one thing I know I'm excited about, I know your research members get to have some say in some of the data that you dive into. So while I'm interested in that data, I'm almost more interested in, to see what they're interested in learning about. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great because in addition to um, the you know, data scraping world that we live in today, also going to provide agency to all the breweries, the questions that they're thinking about and getting those answered direct to beer drinker uh, opinion. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see the types of things that the breweries are going to be asking about an opportunity, not only to learn about what consumers are thinking for, for their own uh, purposes, but also learn what other breweries are thinking about. And maybe there's something that they're thinking about that they haven't yet. So just a, a great opportunity for knowledge share and uh, you know, community building all, all the things that this industry is about. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Michael, for sharing your insight today. Everybody be sure to reach out to Michael if you have any questions or want to learn more. Thanks again. And Michael, I'll see you soon. Hopefully All in right. person. Thanks so much, Andrew. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. If you like this content, please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.